Hi, uh, my name is Lawrence Montaigne, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. And once again, I welcome you to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 225 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, sequels, remakes, TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. On our 225th episode, we have a great guest coming your way. We have none other than Lawrence Montaigne. He, of course, was in the classic film, the Great Escape, and he was also on Star Trek and a list of other TV shows that he guest starred in, and he has a book out, and the book is called The Guardian List, a novel, and we're going to talk about that, we're going to talk about The Great Escape, we're going to talk about all of that stuff, it's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So, I want to thank you for all your emails that you've been sending out. A lot of people are letting me know what they think and uh, thanking me for things. Somebody thanked me just recently for keeping up all of the episodes of On Screen and Beyond, all 225 of them. You can find them at onscreenandbeyond.com, and uh, we'll keep them up as long as we can. Uh, eventually, we're going to have to have space, so we're going to have to delete some, and uh, we'll put them up periodically as a featured guest here at On Screen and Beyond, so you can uh, always catch those. So. But uh, thank you for sending your emails. Thanks for your kind words. And I appreciate you listening each week, all of you who come back and listen to these guests that we have. And if you would like to make a suggestion for a guest, send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. We'll see what we can do about getting that person on for you. All right, what do you say? Get right into it. What's coming your way as far as remakes? Remake Madness is next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, well, a remake of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane may be coming our way, so we got to keep our eye out for that one. And the remake of RoboCop that we've talked about before will include you, Laurie, Samuel L. Jackson, and Gary Oldman in the cast. And it looks like the 80s TV show The Equalizer that we've talked about in the past is moving forward in a big way to the big screen. Denzel Washington will star in the film. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On... Upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies. Well, John Favreau is busy. He has joined the cast of Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street, and he will be directing the film version of Jersey Boys about Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. If you haven't seen that on Broadway or anything, or you know, uh, you should because it's a great play. So uh, we'll see what the film version can do with that. And in 2013, it will bring us The Way, Way Back. It's about a teen that over the summer comes into his own courtesy of his friendship with a park's manager. Steve Carell and Sam Rockwell will also star in that. And Steve Carell will also star with Nicolas Cage and Elizabeth Banks in Frank or Francis in a satire of Hollywood set to music as a film director has a feud with a blogger. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we'll take a peek at what's coming your way as far as sequels at Sequel City. Sequel City, well... It looks like Anne Hathaway says she would be up for a solo Catwoman movie. Well, I don't blame her for that. And the minions of Despicable Me will be getting their own spin-off movie. And Jurassic Park 4 is shooting for a summer of 2014 release. So we'll keep an eye out for that for you. And that is it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, what is coming your way as far as TV on DVD? We got it next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TV on DVD, well, you can look on September 4th as the date for Fringe Season 4 as it comes to Blu-ray and DVD. September 11th, you can get Kojak Season 5 in a 5-disc set. And October 16th is the release date for Season 5 of Mad Men with Don, Peggy, Pete, and the rest in the office. That's coming to DVD and Blu-ray on October 16th. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? <laughs> movies on DVD. Well, September 4th, you can pick up Touchback with Brian Presley and Kurt Russell as a guy gets the chance to relive his glory days of football. Also on September 4th, you can get Mad Monster Party with the voice talents of Boris Karloff and Phyllis Diller. And The Amazing Spider-Man swings into stores on Blu-ray and DVD in November. Get ready for that. That is it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we have a great guest coming your way. He has uh, been one of the stars of the classic film, The Great Escape. And he was also a Vulcan. He was a Romulan. He was uh, on Perry Mason. He was on The Man from Uncle, Mission Impossible, The Time Tunnel, The Invaders, Batman, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, McLeod. And it goes on and on and on and on. He's done a lot of guest starring roles. And he's got a new book out. It's called The Guardian List, a novel. It's Lawrence Montaigne. And he's coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor who guest starred as a Romulan and a Vulcan on the original Star Trek series, as well as his role in the classic war film, The Great Escape. He currently has a new book out called The Guardian List, a novel. It's Lawrence Montaigne. Lawrence, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence, I want to thank you for joining us here, and uh, you are an actor that when people see your face, they know who you are. And I can remember your role in The Great Escape just from seeing your face. (laughs) Do a lot of people say that, that they can recognize you as soon as they see you? Uh, Yeah, I get that a lot. Uh, 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 They either don't know my name or they don't remember where they know me from. Mm -hmm. But it's usually, don't I know you? And... (laughs) I usually say no. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, are you an actor? Well, I was. Uh, and then it comes around to, oh, what, what did I see you in? What did I see you in? Okay. And then I have to, I, I, I feel foolish pushing the envelope, so I, I have to mention things like Star Trek or The Great Escape or Escape to Witch Mountain, things that they uh, probably remember, you know. Mm-hmm. There's so many different things we can talk about, including your TV shows that you've been on and your movies and, of course, your uh, writing. Now, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about your writing? Um, You have a a new book out, correct? That's right. Uh, I do. Can you tell us about it? Well, I can. I I don't want to give too much away. Right. Um, Do you know, do you ever feel frustrated and... and, uh, uh, you just want to. You just want to strike out when you when you hear about uh, people who have are recidivist criminals who beat the system mm, yep. that uh, that that are outside the law and and the law does not step up and and make them pay for what they've done mm-hmm. and and, and I, you get frustrated about it and uh, this is basically what this book is about. Uh, it's about a bunch of retired police officers uh, on their last leg in, 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 and uh, up in age, and they've got to do one thing uh, to, uh, to strike out, and they do it within the confines or within, within the network of, um, of, of this, this list. And, uh, and, and that's basically, basically what it's about. Wow. Now, how did you come up with this idea? Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, if, 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 and when you read it, <laughs> um, the the beginning of it starts uh, with um, uh, a priest 
uh, and uh, this was taken. A friend of mine, a retired um, uh, professor from North Texas, North Texas State University, uh, he and I were on the same faculty, and uh, he retired and, and moved down to Tennessee to be back with his family. And uh, he and the family went to uh, uh, a, uh, a show one night uh, at the church, and his granddaughter was appearing in the show. And I'll cut this short. A guy came in and uh, with a gun and shot my friend and shot uh, a half a dozen people, killed a half a dozen people in the church. Oh, and uh, I, I, I carried this with me for a few years. And uh, finally, uh, I thought, gee, there's got to be, there's, there's got to be a, a story here. There's got to be a book or a play or a film. And that's how it came about. Wow. It sounds like a fascinating book. And I didn't realize that there was a little bit of personal thing in there involved with that. Very much so. Very, very much so. Uh, Joe Barnhart, and I, he won't mind me using his name, uh, who lives down in Tennessee, uh, Joe and I have been very close. He called me three days ago, and I'm, I'm very close with him and his family. His daughter was shot, uh, was blinded in one eye. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible thing. And uh, and so he's either calling me or I'm calling him. I want to find out how he is with her because it took him a long time to recuperate. He was shot in the stomach, and it took him a long time to recuperate. And uh, so th this this is what precipitated this whole idea. Uh, and then there were other incidents that I managed to put together. And I have a friend of mine who's living here in Vegas, who's with Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, and um, Jonathan, uh, uh, Jeremy Levy. And uh, I, I, uh, I knew so little about the police department. I called this friend of mine, Jeremy, and I uh, said, Jeremy, I, 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 I know nothing about police things. And he said, uh, come on over. And I went over, and he gave me a ton of material and he spoke to me for hours and gave me background and so I've got good background in this book it's not just uh, um, off the top of my head yeah 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 it sounds like you really researched it a lot I did I did and and uh, I think it shows up in the book too yeah. I think it does now, when you got into acting, did did you also go into this this deeply into portraying your roles that you that you played? Well, you've got to understand. I came from the theater. Uh, yeah. uh, I came from the dramatic workshop in New York, and and if you know uh, anything about the workshop, you'll know names like Marlon Brando, Shelley Winters, Harry Belafonte. I mean, Ben Gazzara. I mean, some of the great stars that came out yes. and and were superstars at the time came from the dramatic workshop, mm -hmm. and so we more more or less all had the same background in how to research our material, how to take a, a role and make it ours. Yeah, so and this was part of our training. Yeah, so it paid off in, into another field too as you go it, into your it writing. It most definitely did. Yes. Yeah. Now, was this your first novel? I know you wrote another book about uh, a memoir. I presume the Vulcan uh, Vulcan Odyssey. Uh, the Vulcan Odyssey was. Um, uh, well, everyone thinks it's about uh, Star Trek. It's not. It's uh, an autobiographical book mm -hmm. that covers my travels from. Genesis all the way through to the New Testament, mm -hmm. uh, and it's. Um, uh, and, and, but unfortunately, I, I was so in love with the cover of that book. Uh, a, a woman I know, uh, uh, who also was an actress at one time, did the cover of the book, and uh, and uh, I was so in love with it that I, I I made it appear as if it was a Star Trek thing, and it wasn't, and that was a big mistake. Wow. Um, she gave me the right to to uh, use it. Uh, we were uh, doing um, a Star Trek thing, uh, um, a convention, and uh, after the third or fourth one where we worked together, she came in and handed me this tube, and I opened it up and I pulled out this thing, and it was about uh, uh, oh, about uh, eighteen by twenty-four inches, and I stood there and I looked at it and I said, "How much do I owe you?" She says, "It's a gift." And it was this most beautiful, beautiful uh, sketch uh, done in charcoal and done in um, uh, pastel, mm -hmm. done in pastel. And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. 
And I think that anyone that looks at the book and sees the book and says, my gosh, how is that done? You know, and when I tell them it was done by this uh, uh, actress, they say, oh, my God, that's beautiful. It is, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it almost looks like a photograph, really. Her name is Deborah Downey, remember, because she is so great. Wow. Deborah Downey. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know, people have maybe told you this many times, but a lot of people have mentioned when I told them that you were going to be on the show, and they saw the picture, they said, he looks like Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> you don't want to repeat that, you know. <laughs> no, in fact, I, I felt that I should have um, played the role that Patrick Stewart played. Uh, uh, but of course, by that time, I was on such uh, bad terms with with uh, um, the Star Trek people that there was no way in hell I was going to be able to play that role. <laughs> oh, so. It was not a good parting when you when you stopped doing the, uh, the when you did those. Well, trips. it was up until a point, but when the second season, when I was hired to play the role of Stan, I wasn't terribly excited about it. Uh, I think it was four or five lines, and after I had done you know a major role in in uh, the original uh, uh, one that I did, and uh, so I, I I I didn't want to do it, and I turned it down, and then they came back with counter offer that I couldn't turn down. Uh, and then the first thing they said is, you have to shave your chest. And I said, no way. And Gene got very upset. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, we had to bring in the the uh, uh, my agent and a conference and two hours sitting in a room uh, uh, discussing this whole thing. When in the final analysis, all they did was say, well, here, how about we take this shirt and you uh, wear it underneath, and you don't have to shave your chest. <laughs> well, yeah, great, let's do it, you know. But uh, Gene, I, I don't think that Gene ever forgave me for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, we'll talk more about Star Trek in a minute, but let's go back to when you were a child. Uh, is acting what you wanted to do when you were young, or was there some other direction that you were going to go in? Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with my background. I was... Uh, born in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, but my dad worked for a company that uh, had affiliations with the Vatican in Rome. Oh. And uh, the company uh, sent my father over to do some accounting for that uh, uh, for the Vatican. Uh, this pre preceded uh, the Second World War. And the Pope at that time and his, his advisors, his financial advisors, were trying to diversify their their holdings, and uh, uh, my father was sent over to uh, to evaluate the situation, and packed my mother and myself up. I was six months old, and schlepped us off to to Rome, mm. and we were there until I was eight years old. Wow! And we were only supposed to be there for six months, but it became so convoluted, and uh, um, and uh, there were so many things going on at the time in Europe, and. Uh, uh, that my dad uh, was there for for eight years, and then finally uh, uh, Mussolini made his pact with Hitler, and the first thing they did is said, "Get get Montaigne out of here," you know, and that's and they they uh, literally um, um, gave us tickets to get out of Rome. Wow, Jeez. So, so that was the way it started, and we, I went back to New York, and my my dad went into the military, went into the Navy. My mother was working in Washington. And I went away to military school uh, down in Virginia, and uh, and that's the way it started. So really, I had my my ambition, if anything, was to be involved in the military in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but military school and the Marine Corps knocked it out of me. And uh, when I came out of the Marine Corps, uh, when I was on Guam, I was stationed on Guam in the Marine Corps, and uh, uh, in order to get out of duty, there was a little theater at the other end of the island. And I signed up to work with that theater, and it was it was a way of getting out of duty. They would send a, a jeep for me and a driver and bring me out to the to the theater for rehearsals. I thought, wow, this is great, you know. <laughs> and I said, gee, maybe I'm going to pursue this when I get out of the Marine Corps. And that's exactly how I did it. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's how it came about. Yeah, it's yeah interesting. of course. Before before I went into the Marine Corps, I spent that summer in Belgrade Lakes at the Belgrade Lakes Playhouse in Maine, oh. uh, and with 
with a girl I knew. She she uh, talked me into going up there uh, when we finished high school. Yeah, and uh, that's I got the bug right then. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny how many actors, and I've said this several times over the last couple of weeks as I've interviewed people. It's funny how many women have influenced actors or people to go guys to go into acting. <laughs> Isn't it the truth? Yeah. Isn't the bloody truth. <laughs> you know, I'll do anything if you'll just uh, do something for me. <laughs> so, do you remember what your very first acting role, other than theater, but your very first uh, TV or movie role was? Would you believe this if I told you yes? You do? Okay. What, what, what was it? Do you remember an actor by the name of Cliff Robertson? It, yes, in fact, Cliff has been a guest on the show, before, naturally, before he passed away. Um, yes, well, yeah. people will not know it because this is so obscure. But Cliff played the lead in a Saturday morning children's show. Yes, he talked to us about that when he was on Called the show. Rod Brown of the Rocket Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> and I played Cleto, the electric man. Really? <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> My first role, professional role. Wow. Huh. And every time I would see Cliff, <laughs> we'd, we'd recall what it was like down at CBS on 57th Street in New York working on this show. Hmm. So, so when you were doing that show, were you constantly looking for other roles, or were you pretty well set on that and, and were going to ride it out, or how, how did that work? Well, you've got to understand, at the time... I was a dancer on Broadway. Wow. Okay. Uh, I picked up dancing along the way, and uh, I was doing a show called Hazel Flag on Broadway uh, with um, uh, Helen Gallagher and Thomas Mitchell. And uh, so I was going from one thing to another. I was doing a little modeling. Uh, I was doing uh, um, um, whatever work I could pick up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it, it was It was not... it. it it stood to reason that some way I was going to be an, either an actor or a dancer, and I did. I pursued the dancing right on into the uh, uh, into the late fifties uh, because I did uh, another show on Broadway with Eartha Kitt and Eddie Bracken, and uh, I did uh, a, a, a bunch of movies out in California. Um, I, 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 and I got into the ballet company at the Hollywood Bowl by accident. I won't go into the details. And uh, it opened up the doors to the studios for me. And uh, I worked with Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor, Mitzi Gaynor. My God, I love Mitzi. Uh, And uh, had the opportunity to work with all these people as a dancer. And uh, so I really wasn't thinking so much of of getting into the acting. Uh, I didn't put all my efforts into the acting. I put my efforts into making a living. Mm -hmm. I was also doing stunt work at the time because I had a background in fencing. Oh, okay. And there was a lot of work at the studio in those days in fencing. Scaramouche, Julius Caesar. My God, I could go on and on and on. Right, yeah. All these films that I was hired to do fencing work on. Hmm. So I, I had the best of both worlds. I had the stunt work. I had the dancing. And so I wasn't thinking specifically of acting. I was thinking of all the money I was making. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but you know, look at the, the other side of it. Uh, I can't be faulted for it because oh, no. there were too many actors out there that weren't making a living. Right. That's. The, I mean, that's the. Ultimately, that's the thing. You want to make a living. <laughs> if you make a living at it, and you can, and you, and you can, and also do something you you enjoy, right. you, you it's mecca. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Gee. Now, now with the um, stunt work that you did, uh, did you ever get hurt? All the time. Really? All the time. In fact, today I am a bloody wreck <laughs> from what I did, what the things I've gone through. Wow. Uh, I've been operated on. I have a plate in my spine. I have uh, neuropathy in my legs, all from the stunt work. And, and the dancing, by the way. Also the dancing. It's People don't realize how strenuous, how uh, uh, difficult it is to pursue a, a career as a dancer uh, and, 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 and you take bumps and, and twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, you know, the, it, it's much akin to, to stunt work. Right, yeah. yeah. So, and so. I, 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 I know dancers that I've worked with, 
and we will get on the phone and talk, and they'll say, "So, how's your health? Because I'm, I feel like I'm dying, you know." Mm. And, and we're we're all in the same boat. What did we do? <laughs> when you were doing um, the fencing work, stunt work, is there any particular? You mentioned that you know there were a lot of things going on as far as uh, sword fights and things in in films. Uh, is there any one particular film that you remember being in that you really enjoyed doing? Well, uh, Scaramouche was fantastic. That was had a ball, and Julius Caesar with Marlon Brando. I mean, come on. I mean, we had more darn darn fun, and and uh, uh, and and able to use our imagination. And then I went all, when I went back to Europe. Uh, Andre de Toth was doing a film called The Mongols with Jack Palance, mm-hmm. and Jack was a very dear friend of mine. And Jack got Andre and myself together on the Via Veneto one afternoon, and uh, and uh, Andre said, "Listen, uh, can you choreograph a, a film for me? Do the fencing choreography." And Andre de Toth was a, a very fine fencer. He came out of Hungary. He was a, a fine fencer. And I said, "Gee, Andre, you know, I mean, with your background, I'd feel terrible." And he'd say, "No, no, no. He's some behind you. I'm with you all the way." Uh, I want you to play a role in the film, and I want you to also choreograph the the fence. And I did. Hmm. And uh, Jack and I went off to Yugoslavia for three months and had the time of our lives. Wow. Now, when you were doing the fencing, I presume that there were fake tips on the end of the, the swords, but they're still a sharp object. Uh, was, that, uh, was there a lot of danger? We're talking about two different things now. We're talking about competitive fencing, or we're talking about theatrical in the, in the theatrical. In, in your, in theatrical, your no. There are no tips on the end. Oh, so it's all choreographed. I mean, it's choreographed, and I've seen more people get hurt. Right? Yeah. Doing yeah. fencing, yes. Or and, and and sometimes it's not even because you poke someone; it's because a a blade will break. Ooh. You hit one blade against another blade, and it breaks, and the piece flies off and hits someone in the face or something right, like that. Right? Yeah. That I've seen more times than not. You know. Yeah. Wow. Huh. So those were. Were, were difficult things. But then you've got to realize, too, at the same time, all right, so I did the fencing, but then I got into other things as well. I was driving cars. I was doing uh, stunts with cars, car wrecks. Uh, I was doing uh, uh, falls. Uh, I was doing fight scenes. Mm-hmm. So, you see, we, we were constantly uh, p- putting ourselves on the line, you know. Oh, yeah. Jeez. I, I, I have so much respect for uh, stunt people because the, the work that they do, of course, they make the actors look good. Absolutely. And, um, in fact, I've had a couple of uh, stunt people on the show that we talked with, and um, uh-huh. they, you know, some of the stories they told me were, <laughs> were quite, quite amazing. Believe them. Yeah. Believe them. Wow. Now, Lawrence, you were in what I consider to be one of the greatest war pictures that huh. has been made. The Great Escape. That that was such a fantastic film. Um, Read in, in my book mm-hmm. um, of, of Vulcan Odyssey. Yeah. I have one line, and I love it, so I have to repeat it. I wrote, every actor should have a great escape. Oh, yes. Jeez. Yeah. And that is the bloody truth. I did The Great Escape um, I worked on it for six, uh, for five months, uh, um, and uh, worked in Germany on it. Um, and then, uh, about six months later, uh, or a year later, I came back to the United States just as that picture was starting to come out. And let me tell you that it was like um, it was it was like Moses spreading uh, the Dead Sea, because my agent would pick up the phone and say. I have Lawrence Montaigne here, who was uh, uh, um, who was featured in The Great Escape, and they'd say, "Get him out here." <laughs> so that really opened and up the doors for you. It was uh, it was such a door opener. It was unbelievable. I was sometimes shocked at how open people were to me hmm. yeah. to uh, uh, to accept me and to not to give me parts, but to let me read. Yeah. Yeah to give me the opportunity to read for shows, and that was what was important for me. I never asked for a part. I asked to be able to read for a show, and then once I read for it, I said, hey, I either got it or I didn't get it. Right, yeah, yeah. Huh. 
That's about, now, how did you get the part on The Great Escape? Uh, were you auditioning All right, for I was doing a film with Guy Williams. I did two films with Guy Williams, Zorro, both in Europe. Yes. <laughs> and we were doing Captain Sinbad in Munich, Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, I played Yafar, and it was a fun thing to do because Guy and I knew each other real well. And uh, uh, so... Uh, we would, we were about four or five weeks into the film when the Mears company came in with a film called The Great Escape. I didn't know anything about it and, uh, and all the people on our show were interviewing, having readings for the, for the, uh, for The Great Escape and I was the only one that didn't get a reading. And I, I got really upset. My agent was out of town and that's why I wasn't called in. So, I called up directly, and I got Robert Relier, who was associate producer, mm-hmm. on the phone. I said, I'm appearing in this film. I seem to be the only one that didn't get an interview. I was wondering if you could arrange it for me. He said, of course. He says, I'll arrange it for you. And he did. He arranged for me to come out and meet John Sturgis, and uh, the casting uh, director at the time. And uh, I went out there, and I read for the part that Dickie Attenborough did. Wow. Of course, uh, that was not what they were considering before. That was just a, a part that had continuity, so everybody read for that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I read it, and they said, thank you very much. And uh, I left, and I went home. And I, by the way, I was living in Germany at the time. I had a home in Germany, a wife, a kid. And uh, so uh, I went home, and I was, about a week, I, I said, my gosh, I said, uh, nothing's happening with that. I'm going back to Italy to close up the apartment, because I had an apartment in Italy. And I said, and close it up. And, and my wife said, okay. I said, she said, if, you, if I hear of anything, I'll call you. So I, I drove back to Italy, packed up my stuff and everything, and I was getting ready to leave. My wife gets on the phone, calls me, and says, you'd better get back here real fast. I said, why? She says, Bob Relier has been calling every day. Hmm. And they want to make you an offer. And I was like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> you know? I was so out of touch. Yeah. So I got his number, and I called him. And he said, if you're holding out for more money, forget it. I said, I'm not holding out for more money. I'm not holding out for anything. I just want to find out what the part is about. Right. And he said, well, he said, it's six weeks' work. And he gave me the information. He gave me the price. And I said, okay. I said, it sounds good. I said, I'll be in Munich in, in a matter of a few days. He said, great. So May 5th uh, of 1962, we started production. Hmm. And Steve McQueen showed up with his face so blown up, it was unbelievable. He had been in a race, had an accident, and his face was just blown out of proportion. So we had to start shooting around him. And in the interim, he was reading the script he decided that he didn't like his part. So he went to the production, Mirish, and he says, listen, I don't like this. He says, it, it, you've got to change it. I mean, it, it, it's... It. And so they said, everybody, that's it. Close down production. Mm-hmm. So they closed it down. They brought in writers from California. And they sat down and they rewrote the script for Steve. Ten days later we get a call to come back to work at Gessel Gasteg, the, uh, the studio outside of Munich. And I go back, and the assistant director hands me a script. I look at the script. I said, what is this? He says, what's the matter? I said, but this, I'm, I'm, I'm through the whole script here. I mean, this is unbelievable. But what, what did you do? You rewrote my whole part. They said, yeah. I said, well, what happened to that five-week contract? He said, forget it. (laughs) Forget it. He says, you'll be on this thing for months. I was. I was on five months. Jeez. You must have been thrilled. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. 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 Boy, that that film is such a good film. Yeah, every actor should have a great escape. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. 
Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now, you mentioned that you were friends with Guy Williams. And, of course, he played Zorro, and he did some sword work in there, fencing and things. Did, did did you, uh, was he really a fencer? And the other thing I'm wondering... Oh, yeah, Guy was a good fencer. And, and we never worked together. Did you ever we fence together? in that one film, uh, uh, Sinbad. Yeah, did you and, ever... No, I'm sorry, the two films uh, that we did, one down in Italy and one in Germany, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever Damon fence with him? Damon was the one we did in, in Rome, Italy. Uh-huh. But did you ever fence with him just for fun? No, no, no never really. No, no, no. I, I was just never curious. had the opportunity. With that film... Uh, the, the cast was so amazing in there, uh, and you say Steve McQueen, of course. Uh, did you know of Steve McQueen when you got the part? Um, vaguely, mm-hmm. really vaguely. Uh, James Garner, I knew of. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Bronson and I did a film together in 1951. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I knew Charlie. Uh, James Coburn, I admired him. I, I had seen his work. Uh, don't tell me about Richard Attenborough because, as far as I was concerned, he walked on water. Right? Yeah. Geez. I mean, I just worshipped the ground he walked walked on. Um, James Donald, Donald Pleasance, and I, uh, um, we we did two films together. Uh, after The Great Escape, we did Escape to Witch Mountain together mm-hmm. in California. Yeah. So I knew Donald real well. Uh, he married an Israeli girl, and uh, who I knew. So, uh, you know, it was a small world. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you a quick story. Sure. Uh, Charlie Bronson. Everybody says to me, "Oh, what was Charlie Bronson like?" I mean, my God, he's got this face like he's the meanest guy in the world. <laughs> I said, "Let me tell you something." My 15-year-old sister came from New York to visit me and my wife in in, in uh, Munich. And uh, and John Sturgis had a daughter, also the same age, and these two girls would come out to the set, and of course, what can, what can they do on a set? I mean, we're working. I mean, we don't have time to play, right. except Charlie Bronson. He would make the time to sit with these two girls, play cards with them, play Monopoly with them. I mean, what? I mean, he was just un- he was the babysitter of the, of the uh, Great Escape. <laughs> so Charlie Charlie was really uh um he he was different than what anybody ever ever thought of him you know right yeah you you always remember him from the you know uh the the mechanic and and all his uh, movies Ab- absolutely you know yeah. that are, he's so like you say he's so mean <laughs> yeah yeah a pussycat is mean a mean <laughs> pussycat <laughs> and it's and it's funny to hear you talk when you say Dickie Attenborough. Now, of course, to all of us, it's it's Richard Attenborough. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, but right, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Uh, we were out in in Füssen, which is about two hours out of Munich, and we were doing. I don't know if you remember in The Great Escape this big jump thing over the barbed wire. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve didn't do that. That was done by his stunt double, uh, uh, Bud Eakins. Who, who was great? One of the great motorcycle uh, riders in the, in in in, in uh, motorcycle history. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we, we were out, and it was very cold in, in early in the morning. And Steve was wearing uh, a sheep herder's coat. And Dickie and I were standing out there, freezing our butts off. And I said to, to uh, Dickie, I said, "Do you see that that coat?" I said, "That is the most beautiful coat I've ever seen." And Dickie said, you like it? It comes from a store in, in, in London. I said, wow. Well, fade out, fade in. We finished the picture. Two weeks after the picture, I get a notice to go down to the post office and pick up a package. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you know, Dickie went to the store and bought me the coat wow. and sent it to me as a gift. Huh. Jeez. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so you you guys all got to be good friends. I take it on the set, then. 
it was it was a family. It was re- you know you hear this all the time. This it's it, it's 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 always bull, uh, but it was it was a great family. Uh, Hannes Messima, who played the commandant, was uh, in the theater with my wife, and we he would come to our house when uh, 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 to uh, for dinners and 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 uh, to socialize with us and. Uh, uh, so we knew um, uh, all the cast uh, seemed to know each other, you know. Yeah. Jeez. And we had some pretty wild times because the stuntman had a penchant for going out and getting into trouble. <laughs> and they would go out to the clubs, to the nightclubs in in, uh, in Schwabing and uh, uh, look, look to get into trouble, you know. And uh, uh, so uh, we had a little of that, too. We weren't all virgins out there, you know. <laughs> well, you know how those stuntmen can be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those virgin stuntmen, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Lawrence, I'm looking at your, your TV career, and it, to, to me, I'm looking at it, combat. Um, and I'm not going to do them all, but Combat and The Fugitive, Perry Mason, Hogan's Heroes, uh, Dr. Kildare, I Spy, uh, Laredo, The Time Tunnel, Daniel Boone, Batman, Star Trek, uh, The Invaders, The, the Man Couldn't from... Couldn't keep a job. Couldn't keep a job. <laughs> the Man from Uncle, Voyage, uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Season. Now, these are all shows I grew up with, and it's like, you're in every single one of them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I couldn't help it. Yeah. Is, is there any one... Let me tell you one thing. Sure. Let, let, let me, uh, excuse me, let me interject one sure. thing. Uh, when I got off the, the plane from Europe, um, one, of, one of the biggest things I had going for me, I spoke five languages at one time. Wow. Uh, Italian, French, German, uh, English, uh, you know, uh, and a smattering of, of, of Slavic language. Uh, and so I would go out like, like um, um, I would go out for a show, um, Mission Impossible or something like mm-hmm. that, or, or some show that had an international um, um, background. And they would say to me, do you speak, uh, can you speak so-and-so? Yeah, in combat, I spoke th- three languages in combat. Wow. Uh, French, German, and English. Jeez. Um, in, uh, so I had an advantage, uh, and, and, and I cashed in on it. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, and, and, it, and it helped me a lot until people stopped uh, uh, identifying me with, as being a foreigner mm-hmm. and accepting me as being an American. And then I started to get the roles for just American uh, type roles, but until that time, I was doing almost all all foreign parts. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Now you were on Batman twice, yeah. in fact, right? Now, Mr. Glee, yeah. Mr. Glee. Now it seems like every actor wanted to be on Batman. Did you try to be on that show, or is it just a, a, a role that came to you and and you took it, or how did that come? About? It was uh, it was an audition thing, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went out there and I did the audition, and uh, my agent called me and said, "You're playing Mr. Glee on Batman," and that was it. Now, so I didn't have a clue, but it was it was a lovely show to work on. Yeah. Now, of all the shows you've done, the TV shows, is there one in particular that's closest to your heart that you enjoyed working on? Oh wow! Oh, I know God. there's so many. <laughs> you know, I, I, all right. Let's 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 be a mercenary. All right. Uh, we're talking about um, uh, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you name me another show that has the longevity that Star Trek does? Yeah, not really. There's, I mean, you know, there's uh, maybe a Gilligan's Island or something. Come on, like, compare even, it to Star Trek? I mean, Star right, Trek yeah, it's not like, even compared. Yeah, I understand. No, you can't compare any show. So Star Trek, it stands alone. Yeah. I mean, when people, when I go to these conventions, people come up to me. And know me, come on! Yeah. I played these 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 roles that that how many people w- appeared in Star Trek, and yet people know me. I know that's that's what's from so amazing. Star Trek, yeah, yeah, and and I've had other people on the show that have done Star Trek roles, and it's it's a role that you always remember the person from. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it's just amazing that that a show, you know, because like you say, you know, in other shows like when you were in the Invaders. Um, you know, I mean, people recognize you in the show, but it's not something that forever they're going to remember. But your role I, in Star Trek, people know. Exactly. 
Yeah. Exactly. And, and so much so that after playing Ston, 40 years later, I get a phone call to come back and play the same role. Right. 40 years later in Of Gods and Men. What did you think of that when they, you got that call? <laughs> I thought they were nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. I don't look anything like him anymore. Well, you, we don't want you to look like him. <laughs> you know? And then to end up marrying Uhura. Oh, that was the one. That, I, you know, hey, I kissed Uhura. Give me a break. <laughs> How many people can say that? Right, that's well, true. Well, I mean, in film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want to cast any aspersions. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 so how was it? How did you feel when you got back into that role again? I was, I, I was, well, how did I feel? I, I, I was sent a script, and I had maybe three or four pages of dialogue. And I said, okay, well, I can handle this. So so I sit down, and day and night I learn the lines, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I show up in California, and I go to location, and the director comes up to me, and he says, we've made some changes. And I said, what's that? And he says, well, I was supposed to do a part in the show, but I've got too much work to do. So you're going to take my lines. Mm -hmm. Are we talking Tim Russ? Tim, yeah, Tim yeah, Ross. Yeah, Tim was on the show uh, earlier this year. Is that right? Yeah, he, all was, right. he was a guest on our show. <laughs> he says, you're going to do my lines. I said, all right. So I open up the script, and there's about four solid pages. Wow. I said, Tim, you're out of your mind. I'm <laughs> going back to to uh, I'm going back to Las Vegas. He said, what's the matter? I said, I can't learn lines. He says, don't worry, we'll work it out. And they did. They finally made cue cards for me. <laughs> and I'll tell you, but until they did, I sweated, you know, because I could, you know, geez, I don't know who I am half the time. Yeah. <laughs> so now in Star Trek, you had scenes with Spock, of course. And yeah. then when you were on Mission Impossible, was uh Leonard Nimoy on the show at that time? Also? No. Oh, he no. wasn't? Okay. No. In fact, when Leonard left uh, Star Trek, mm -hmm. Roddenberry called my agent and m cut a deal for me to replace Leonard. Now, were you going to be Spock or a different character? You know, I haven't got a clue. Oh, okay. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. I don't know whether I was going to be Stan or whether I was going to be Spock. Because you guys sort of look alike. Well, yeah, but even so, I mean, you know, uh, Leonard had created an icon. Oh, yeah. And for anyone to to presume that they could fill those shoes, they've got to be out of their friggin' mind. Yeah. Excuse yeah. the expression. No, I understand. Uh, <laughs> you can cut it. Uh, but, uh, so I'm of the opinion that it was it was Stan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it would uh, make that sense. They would, they would figure out some way to segue me into that role. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, of of course, there was also a clause in the contract that if Leonard changed his mind, Montaigne was out and Nimoy was back in. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, but then there are 50, there are 50, must be ten or fifteen guys that swear they were up for the same role. Oh, really? The only thing is Robert Justman, who was the associate producer on the show, wrote a book, and in the book he said Lawrence Montaigne was the part. Uh, at yeah. the part. So that's, so that's interesting. Very interesting. I didn't ask you, how did you get the part on Star Trek? Same way everybody did. You auditioned for that one, too? My agent called and said to me, you've got a reading for Star Trek. I said, what's that? He says, it's a science fiction thing. I said, okay, I'll go out and read it. I went out to Paramount, went into the casting office, sat down and started to read it, got done. Uh, I Oh, I read for the, for the commander. And... Uh, my agent called me and said, you didn't get the part. I said, big deal. He said, but you got the part of Decius. I said, what the hell's a Decius? <laughs> he says, it's the bad guy. I said, they paying me? He said, yeah. I said, good, we're doing it. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> no one heard of Star Trek. We didn't even know what it was. Right. How did you, when you read the script the first time, did you, I mean, how do you have any reference with, with a character that, you know, is from out of, out of this out of this world. <laughs> I didn't have a bloody 
clue what I was doing. <laughs> I was so so lost, <laughs> and I and I, I told my agent too. I even called my agent. I said, "What am I doing?" I mean, did they say anything? He says, "No." I said, "Well, what am I?" He says, "Why don't you let the director work it out?" Yeah. I said, "Well, you know, you know, that's, that's always a good answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. learn your lines, go out there, and let the director work it out." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, there's no reference. It's it's not like you know you're playing the bad guy uh, who's robbing a bank. Uh, you you can have a reference for that, but an alien. Is... Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, permit me the glory of the kill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who 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 speaks lines like that? I mean, my God, I mean, people come up to me out of nowhere and say, "Permit me the glory of the kill." <laughs> Oops. Okay. <laughs> I've arrived, yeah. Now, was there any ad-libbing on that, or was that exactly what the script called for? No, we pretty much stayed with the script, as I remember. Uh-huh, yeah, it was pretty well. Yeah, because it was so way out. I mean, you know, right. how, how could you ad-lib on it? That's I right. Mean, you know, where, where am I going to go? Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and especially, you're supposed to be emotionless. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. yeah, you couldn't really. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, it was the first time that you see the Romulans. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, we couldn't very well ad lib or do anything because we didn't know what the hell we, we, we were all about. Right? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So, so you were in on the very beginning of this Romulan and, and Vulcan people who uh, have become such a cult over the years. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and fortunately, uh, Mark Lennard and I had worked together on "Here Come the Brides." Uh-huh. And so we know each other, knew each other, and though I was upset that I didn't get the commander's role, uh, once we got into working together, I said, "Gee, what a great piece of casting! This is fantastic." Mark and I, we, we're like married. We 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 play off of each other. It's great, and it did. It, it played beautifully. Hmm. It really did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So, how is it going to conventions now when you talk to people? Uh, Everybody remembers you. Uh, what does it feel like to have that happen to you? Well, I feel very fortunate, first of all, uh, that people would remember. Uh, and I feel very humbled because people have so many nice things to say to me uh, about the roles that I've played. I, I get emails all the time uh, from people I don't know from, from all parts of the world. And uh, uh, I just... I, I, I hate to sound cliche, but I really feel humbled by it. Uh, you know, I'm 81 years old. Let's face it. I don't have much to live for, you know, uh, uh, aside from, from my wife, my, my, wife my, my daughter, and my granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's very little I have in my life. So the people that come to me out of the blue and say, I remember you. Yeah. How many, how many, how many times do you hear this in your life? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most people never hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. But and like you say, Star Trek is is amazing because people remember the individuals who portrayed not just the regular cast, but people who were in the show, as opposed to most shows where you know you can't name. A person who's been on CSI. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Really. Let me tell you something. Uh, I worked on a thing recently uh, for uh, Bill Shatner. Mm-hmm. He's putting together a show, uh, and uh, basically, what it is 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 the uh, the references made in Star Trek and how they apply to uh, our our daily lives and the lives that uh, have changed over the years and the and the way people have associated with the characters in Star Trek yeah. and and uh how they're affected and uh it's a very very interesting concept but bill is hit on on something very interesting and i was glad to be a part of it and i hope that it's a a, a, a very big success mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure it will be i just want to touch on one more tv show that you were on like i say there were so many but uh, just ones that were particularly my favorites growing up now um, don't be upset if i say i don't remember no no problem okay. uh, uh, voyage to the bottom of the sea okay how was that show okay really not to hurt a guy don't you <laughs> why no. that i i i was uh, fortunately I met a director one time by the name of Murray Golden, 
And Murray and I, for some reason, we hit it off. And Murray took it upon himself when he was casting a show. Instead of going through casting, he'd say, uh, he'd say to the casting director, uh, would, you, would you get Lawrence Montaigne for this role? And he did this over a number of years. And casting directors got to know me through the fact that, that Murray wanted me to work on his shows. And so he was doing one show called uh, um, Time Tunnel. Yes, you have another one I like. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he had me uh, come in on the show, and I, I played a, a Spaniard or an Indian. I forgot which one came first because I did a couple of them. And, uh, uh, but uh, Irwin, uh, then I, I, I was cast as um, uh, on Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Yeah, with Richard Basehart. Basehart, yes. All right. And I didn't know it, but that was my screen test for City Beneath the Sea. Erwin oh. never said anything. Mm -hmm. And so when he called my agent, he said to my agent, uh, here's the deal. We're signing Lawrence for uh, City Beneath the Sea. He's going to play Dr. Aguila. He's co-starring and... He went on and on, and and uh, at those and, and in those days, fantastic salary, everything, and it was it was it was great. Mm. It was great. It was so out of the blue. Unfortunately, fade out, fade in. Irwin at that time had a big head. Went to New York. He was going to sell them three other shows, and he laid down the law, and they sent him packing. Really, and. He was never able to sell that series, huh. City Beneath the Sea. Yeah, unfortunately, because it was a very beautiful show. Yeah, and uh, but Irwin blamed the cast. So when he was turning around to do the movie, he recast the whole movie, and no one from the original uh, television show was cast in the movie. Oh, okay. Huh. So there's a little tidbit for you. Yeah. Well, Lawrence, there's just so many things that we could talk about in your shows that you've been on. <laughs> yeah. but we could go on forever here. But Oh, well, call me back. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to ask you a little something about more of a personal note. I want to finish up with a couple questions here. All right, um, TV shows that you like to watch. What were your favorite TV shows to watch, either now or in the past? What are your favorite TV shows? Not ones that you were on, but ones that you enjoyed watching. Okay. Wow. I wish that you had asked me this last week so I could think about it. <laughs> uh, I get that a lot, believe me. <laughs> oh, says all right. All right. Now, we, we, but there are some that I thought were exceptionally well done. I thought the FBI was a very fine show. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Good show. And uh, now, if you ask me today, I don't watch television. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I know you're going to say, well, Gee, what do you do? You know, uh, uh, television. I don't watch. I, I just uh, it's it's over my head, and uh, I can't identify with it. I can't identify with the characters. I can't identify with the scripts. I can't identify with the concept. So I just might as well take a book and sit down and read. You know, yeah, yeah. Or go into my den and work on a, on a book. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, FBI was a fine show. Um, the Invaders was an interesting show. I, I enjoyed that show. That was always good. Well, uh, well, Thinnis was so good. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed his his persona so much. Uh, um, so I guess maybe. Uh, hey, I, I always enjoyed combat. You know. Mm, yeah. Uh, for, for better or for worse, I enjoyed it. You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, there were a, oh, okay, okay. Okay, I've got one show comes that I loved. Mm -hmm. It was called The Rogues. The Rogues? Rogue, R-O-G-U-E-S, yep. Rogues. Okay, yeah. With David Niven. Okay, yeah. And I knew David from Europe. Mm -hmm. And David tried to get me one of the leading roles in the series. And just when we were finalizing it, 
they they shut the show down. Oh. <laughs> Unfortunately. But it was so much fun. I did three episodes of it and it was just and three different characters completely. And it was it, it was just it was just beautiful. And that was one of the shows that Murray Golden also directed. Yeah. Uh so uh uh yeah, that that to me was a fine show. Not because it had Gladys Cooper and and uh uh uh, and David Niven and, and, and a couple of other people. It was a beautiful cast. What about movies? What are your favorite all-time movies? Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, uh, Orson Welles to me could do no wrong. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, I just, uh, there were, there were, there were a number of films that I, uh, if I sat down and I thought about it again, if you had asked me ahead of time, uh, there were such beautiful films made made back when. Now, I'm not talking about last week. I'm talking about right. uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. The classics. Movies that I really loved. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, movies that grabbed me, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't want to just throw out anything off the top of my head because... Uh, um, I I would feel bad later by not by saying, oh, why didn't I think of that one? Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Well, Lawrence, as far as your books, people can find out more about your your life if they go back and look at your first book, A Vulcan Odyssey, and uh, of course they should definitely pick up your your new book. And, I wish they would. Yes. Yeah, and we're going to put a link on our site so they can just click and go get it. Uh, oh, so, that'd be great. That's so. that's uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, th- that would be wonderful. And are you thinking of any more books? Yeah, I'm working on, on a couple of other books. You and, are? Uh, uh, I, wrote a, um, I wrote a film for Steve McQueen a number of years ago. Uh, when uh, After I'd come back to the United States, and Bud Eakins and I would get together, and, and we went up and did uh, uh, Skate to Witch Mountain up in Carmel, and Bud and I tied one on one night, and he said he had a warehouse full of old motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, my mind went, old motorcycles. Oh, my God, would that be fun? 1925, a 1925 cyclone, a film about a carnival with riding the barrel. Did you ever hear of that? Yeah, where they spin around it there. Exactly. Yep. You ride around in the barrel. And yep. the centrifugal force mm-hmm. takes you up to the edge of the top of the barrel. Well, this is what I wrote a film about this for Steve. Hmm. And at the at the last, oh, when we were getting ready to put it together, Steve said to me, listen, I want to change the woman's part uh, so that it's stronger, so that uh, Ali McGraw, can, my wife, can play it, his wife at the yeah, time, yeah. could play the part. And I said, well, sure, no problem. So I went back to the drawing board, and Steve went down to Mexico, mm-hmm. was diagnosed with cancer, yeah. and died. yeah. Oh, I took that script and I put it on the shelf. It's been there for 45, 50 years. And I read it to some writing group that I belong to. And they said, "It's it's got to be a book. It's got to be a book. And so I've been working on it. Wow. That sounds interesting. Jeez. Yeah. It's so, really unusual. Yeah. yeah. So you keep New busy. Orleans, 1925. Yeah, but you really keep busy here with your writing and everything else that you're doing. Well, you know, I'm running out of time. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, Lawrence, I want to thank you so much because this has been fascinating to listen to you talk about the different shows you've been on and and, and all the shows I've enjoyed over the years and and The Great Escape, which, like I said before, is one of the greatest movies there is. So. Great. I'm glad you enjoyed them, Brian. I, I so much appreciate your taking the time to call me and, and have this interview. And, and uh, hey, it's been a lot of fun. Lawrence Montaigne, what a fascinating guest. I enjoyed talking with him so much. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I love that movie, The Great Escape. If you have not seen that movie, you have got to see it. It's a classic, and it's just a a great film and a lot of great stars in that. So check that out, The Great Escape. Also, check out Lawrence's book, The Guardian List, a novel. Okay, we're going to have a link right on our site at onscreenandbeyond.com if you want to click and get to uh, where you can buy that. And... uh, it's a good book. Check it out. And let's see here. We are getting toward the end of 
this season of On Screen and Beyond. We'll be taking a little time off there for a week or so, and uh, then we'll come back in September with our new season of On Screen and Beyond. So, you know, we still have a couple more episodes here, but uh, I just want to remind you that that's going to be coming up. If you have a suggestion, send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, or if you just want to chat with me, go ahead and do that. And, of course, check us out on Facebook. Like us if you are doing that. And let's see, what else? If you're on iTunes, leave us a review, a little thing that'll help uh, get more people to know about On Screen and Beyond. We appreciate it very much. So, what do you say? It's a wrap for this week of On Screen and Beyond. And until next week, when we once again bring you On Screen and Beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.